down in inner Portland today and we're gonna visit a company called GoBox. And GoBox is a company that works with the supply chain to help eliminate some of our waste. We work with over a hundred different food vendors across Portland, uh, brick and mortar restaurants, food carts, grocery stores, and we supply them with inventory of these reusable food containers uh, that takeout customers can then borrow and return after they've signed up for a GoBox subscription. So they use our mobile app, very similar to a bike share system. You borrow them for a short period of time. Once you're done using them, you return them to our drop sites and then we collect the used containers and put them through a very thorough washing process. Once they're clean and dry, we uh, collect them and then redistribute them to our food vendors. Man, I'm hungry. And I just, we stopped by one of the nice food places in Portland here and I got this nice deli tofu and rice, which is good for a bicycle rider like me. But I feel a little guilty normally when I go and get food to go because I always end up with this plastic container and they pile up at home and I don't know what to do with it. Well, I'm here in Portland today with Jocelyn Correll, the CEO of GoBox, because she has a company that has solved that problem and is helping the world become more sustainable. So can you just tell me a little bit about your company and how it got started? Yeah, absolutely. So GoBox. I'm going to take a bite while you're talking. Please do. Enjoy your lunch. Uh, GoBox is all about eliminating waste. Um, the company was actually founded 10 years ago. Our founder's name is Laura Weiss, and um, she was just really inspired by the local food scene. We have so many great food carts, brick and mortar restaurants, many of them owned by um, you know immigrants that come here to make a better life and serve this delicious, uh, flavorable food, but unfortunately it's all packaged in the single-use packaging. And here in Oregon, um, food containers, clamshells, they're not recyclable. And uh, compostable food containers, they're actually not accepted in our local composting stream either. So she was inspired to figure out a different solution, and, um, and that solution was GoBox. Um, and so we, I, I acquired the business three years ago and since then we've been growing really quickly. We work with over a hundred food vendors now. We provide them with an inventory of these reusable containers um, that hungry foodies, just like yourself, that are passionate about the environment and want to do something about it. You can choose to check out a GoBox reusable container and avoid that single use um, container that you have to throw away. And how did you meet her? You know what? It was the it was the strangest thing. I um, I had been building a career in sustainable mobility sharing systems. So I worked in car sharing for a number of years and bike sharing for a number of years. I'm very passionate about bicycles, and I was working for a bike company at the time. And I connected with Laura in a in a bike group on Facebook, um, and she just posted her business for sale. You know, she uh, wanted to retire with her husband and and um, move to Washington State. So she was looking for another motivated young woman. Very specifically, she wanted another woman to kind of take over the business. And so we spent the six months or so getting to know each other, getting to know the business. And um, June 2018, I formally formally acquired GoBox. So there's kind of a psychology that goes with someone who wants to make that leap. And, and what kind of... Uh, um, sort of uh, discussions did you have with yourself or significant others or family and friends that 
allowed you to have the confidence to make the leap to acquire oh the gosh. company? For me, uh, it's it's instinct. It's a guttural feeling that this is what you're meant to do right now for this stage of your life. I do have to say as much as, um, you know, my parents and my husband, you know, care for me and want the best for me, but they are both like, are you sure? Like, this business, um, I, I have a history, you know, it, as you can hear from like the car and bike sharing, I like to kind of, um, I like to kind of push on the bleeding edge of things where, where folks are like, um, you know, status quo is fine. I'm like, status quo is not fine. We need, we need progress here. We need to change. And so like, here's, here's a way that we can change. Here's a way that we can make a difference. Um, and that's what really drew me to GoBoxes. I had never heard of anything like it before. Um, but it was a functioning business. It was a profitable business. It was working. It was eliminating waste every single day. And so, um, yeah, my life savings, I wrote, wrote it out onto a check and handed it off and, and dove right in. Um, and I, I have to say, you know, I've been at it for a little over three years now. I did not anticipate being an entrepreneur during a global pandemic. And that is definitely changed my approach in a, in a number of ways. So talk, um, yeah, talk about, talk about pre-COVID. Sure. Kind of where the business was going. Yeah. And then COVID hit. Yeah. And it changed everything, everything. for everybody. Yeah, so much. And, and, and how did that make you rethink the business? And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and now we're starting to maybe come back. We're, mm -hmm. you know, back and forth, back and forth. And what do you see the next 12 months like in terms of how your operations have changed to deal with COVID? Sure. So... Pre-COVID, um, like I said, I acquired the business in June 2018, and um, the company was was profitable. And so my number one goal for myself was like, don't burn this down. This is this thing is working. Like, let's let's grow it. So let's try to find some great partnerships that we can jump in with. And New Seasons was that first big partnership for us. Um, it was so exciting the day that they agreed to to start work with us. We actually so explain to people who may not know what New Seasons is. Yeah, New Seasons is a regional grocery store chain. There's 18 locations in the greater Portland metro area. Um, they're locally owned, uh, really locally focused in terms of organic produce. and um, But they do quite a bit of prepared food as well. So you can go in there at the end of a busy day and get you know pre-made food for dinner, for lunch the next day. And um, they're a very sustainably minded company as well. And they were cognizant of the impact that their business was having on the environment and the single use plastic that they were dependent upon to package all of these prepared foods. They reached out to us to ask about how they could potentially work with us to help to reduce the waste that their business was generating. We really began in a phased approach with them. We launched in one store, learned how it would work. Are the customers responding to this? Is this something that is mutually advantageous? And it was clearly, it, it was very quickly we, we determined like there is um, a, a huge, not only environmental need for this, but a cultural desire for it as well. People, as you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of guilt um, associated with uh, packaging waste that we bring into our homes and, and just accumulate based on how we live our lives. So um, how, do, how do then uh, the customers of, of that uh, business in, in the uh, general public yep. learn about GoBox? Yeah, in a number of ways. New Seasons is great about helping us by putting a lot of signage up around the store so people can learn about what we're doing and how they can work with GoBox, sign up for, um, to be a GoBox subscriber and eliminate the waste that they're generating. Um, but also pre-COVID, we were, we were very lucky to have, and we are still very lucky to have a very passionate 
base of customers that want other people to use the solution. Mm -hmm. And so we had we have great word of mouth sort of recommendation, referral, you know, hey friend, hey mm -hmm. uh, family member, you should really get on the GoBox, get on the GoBox train. So we're talking about COVID and pre-COVID. Yeah. And things were kind of rolling along. We were, we were growing very quickly actually. Yeah. January, February, 2020 were our, our biggest, busiest months ever. And then like the bottom fell out. How quickly did the bottom fall out? We slammed into a brick wall uh, at the end of March. I think there was this sort of um, hope that um, that we were going to uh, avoid what we were seeing happening in other communities. Um, but here in the Pacific Northwest, you know, Seattle saw the first known case of COVID in the country, and I think because of the proximity, Portland shut down pretty quickly. So it was, it was real uh, whirlwind, a matter of a few weeks when life was normal and then everything was abnormal and we were in our homes. And uh, we had a, we, there was a pretty strict quarantine uh, period that, um, that Oregon went into. Right before then, yeah. you, your primary customers were smaller food vendors um, and, and restaurants and mm -hmm. a few business partnerships that you were just starting. Yeah. So your business went from whatever percent down to like 10% or 20% or what it was? We, we, I mean, no, we went to 0%. We went to zero. Uh, so many of our food vendor partners, they were all shut down as well. Yeah. Like everybody was told to go home and stay home. And so restaurants shut down, offices shut down. And those were the people that we were working with. And so we had no one, no one to really serve. Um, and in addition to that, we were, we were so in the dark about what this virus was, how it was transmissed. And I think early on, if we can recall the, the very real fear that we all had in terms of are we bringing the virus into our homes when we're bringing mm -hmm. other things into our homes? If you remember just having yeah. to wipe everything down. Yeah. Right. Uh, and that the impact of that uh, on reuse was, was very acute, right? Because all of a sudden reuse, using something that somebody else had used was seen as a huge danger. Yeah. And so we just stopped. There was, there was, a, there was a total, total stoppage um, and a solid two or three months uh, of, of there was nothing happening. Uh, we were trying to keep ourselves healthy um, and wait to wait and see, wait and see what science um, so told us. What was the moment that something occurred that started to give you a sense that things were starting to maybe turn around yeah. and you could go maybe from zero to some business? Yeah, I felt very, um, glad when in June of 2020, a consortium of scientists came out with a statement saying that reusables are totally safe so long as the proper hygienic processes are followed to ensure that they're clean and sanitary. Um, you know, we have all been utilizing the same plates and silverware and glasses in every restaurant that you've ever eaten in uh, for many, many years. It's just that those things are washed and sanitized using commercial grade cleaning equipment before they're used between people. And so for that statement to be released and for scientists to say uh, commercial dishwashing equipment uh, is will make reusables safe from COVID-19. This is, this is not the fear uh, of, the tr of this virus. Um, so reuse is something that can absolutely coexist while we're still 
in the process of, of finding our way out of this pandemic. And that started to open the door, just a, just a crack where, where people, you know, there was already sort of this exhaustion of all the things that we were bringing into our homes had been like double, triple, quadruple wrapped in plastic for our security. And, um, and a lot of the trash that we had previously been disposing of in our offices, um, you know, in our work situations, you know, that was, we didn't really see that trash because somebody else was managing it. And all of a sudden, all of that trash was coming into our homes and we had to manage it. And all of a sudden you're seeing all this, you know, this, there's so much more waste than I, I, I didn't even realize how much waste I was accumulating. And all of a sudden it's this huge, huge problem. And we, we saw that very directly and, um, and at the, at the curbside, um, you know, our local, garbage rates went up last year because of the increased volume of waste that households were throwing out. So one of the one of the, one of the enlightening things that happened, you feel, is that people got a little more conscious about the waste they were generating because they yeah. had to take care of their waste a little right. bit differently. Yeah. They had to manage their homes a little bit differently. Yeah. And that that, you know, started to adjust some attitudes and gave a sliver of an opening. And so like most entrepreneurs you're kind of staring at the abyss. Yes. You don't know what's on the other side, and and you're having some conversation with your your husband or your mm -hmm. family. Tell me a little bit about the kind of emotional uh, feelings and and discussions that you had to have in order to keep going. There were dark days. Um, you know, I was asked very very directly, "Is this going? Is this business going to be something that exists?" post-COVID? Can this business exist post-COVID? Instinctively, in my gut, I know that this is the future. I don't know when the future is going to start per se, but I know that this is the future and I know it's the future that I want to be spending my time working toward. That's a great insight. So what you're saying is that you didn't have the facts. You didn't really know, but you knew there was another, there, you were going to get to the other side. And the trends that were happening before the pandemic were somehow going to continue mm -hmm. in that there was still be an opportunity for people because of other things that were going on in the environment. In fact, maybe the pandemic was an example of that. So, Precisely. So, so that leads a little bit into your insight and your, and your philosophy and your mission. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that. Well, um, I, I do have to give credit to the Ellen MacArthur Foundation because one of the things that I threw myself into during the darkest months last year when I wasn't doing any work was continuing education. Um, I, you know, I, I pre-COVID had been operating a small, rapidly growing business. And so every day was just like putting out fires, right? You don't have the ability to step back even 10 feet to kind of see the forest from the trees. And all of a sudden I was sitting still and I had the time to think very broadly about what my company was, what I wanted it to become. How did it fit into this greater sort of systems change that we all need to be approaching and the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, uh, which is an international NGO, um, they hosted a, a virtual workshop about the circular economy. And it touched on a number of topics, everything from single use plastics to fashion, um, to you know automotive, like our, our mobility future. And it was just a really valuable opportunity to hit the books and learn about what, what have I really been working on um, when we talk about systems change? Like, how could I do this better? How could I do this in relation with other entrepreneurs that are trying to work within the circular economy? How can I look beyond just what GoBox is doing to think more broadly about other 
problems that could possibly be solved uh, in the work that we were accomplishing. And, and having the ability to zoom out to that like 60,000 you know, foot view of, um, of the world and of society and, and of the trajectory that we were going on helped to formulate some of the other um, values um, that GoBox is, is working toward. Um, so what are those values? Yeah, I mean, I think that wealth inequality is a is a super. Um, it it is a it is one of the biggest challenges that we have to try to solve, and and the way that wealth inequality affects society, and um, you know, we are only so strong as our, as you know, those those folks that um, need support in our society. We can't progress until everyone can progress with us and take these steps forward. And, um, you know, one of the elements of sustainability is often that um, sustainable products or services are, um, they, they can often be economically inaccessible to communities that are often the most impacted by negative uh, impacts of our con of our consumer behavior mm -hmm. um, and plastics is certainly an example of that um, the places where you know where fracking is taking place where plastic production is taking place where plastic disposal is taking place um, you know there there are communities that are more affected by those processes than other communities because of um, you know long um, history of, of racist um, racist economic behavior in this country and um, and having the ability to come more face to face with that and recognize that um, I'm not just trying to bring you know reusable packaging to one type of community in in Portland like, this is a this is a problem that is affecting many different types of communities, and we need to think holistically about all those different types of communities and how the solution could potentially impact both negatively, hopefully lessen as few negative impacts as possible. But how can we really bring the po the, the the positive impacts um, so that it's it's um, accessible to all and that um, there's an opportunity for for people to um, equally engage with these these types of solutions so it sounds like so as you were at home in the dark days yeah. learning about this you got more passionate that you were on a path that was important yes not just for your own personal benefit in your own business benefit but also to help us move forward in a way that that makes our economy uh, and, and maybe the environment more sustainable. Yeah, I mean, we just saw how interconnected everybody was. And it was like, that is should be a strength that we're leaning into rather than a potential risk factor that we should be trying to Great. work around. Um, and that's what the circular economy is all about. And the circular economy, of, of course, is um, a economic model that is really trying to um, see waste not as waste. It's trying to see waste as as a resource for for something else. Like, how could we reimagine um, products and services so that there is no waste? Whatever might be left behind in a production uh, facility or service, how could that be leveraged in some other in some other way? So, when you're at when you're at home and you're and you're 
having all these conflicting thoughts. Yeah. Like, can I go? Can I keep going? Yeah. And there is no revenue right now. Yeah. And you're and you're having this. You're learning this information. Your 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 passion's not changing. You're getting more insight. Yes. You 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 have a belief that you're still uh, on the right path. You don't know how to really how this business is going to work. What's the you know what's the um, the moment maybe where you sat down with your husband and said, well, I'm not exactly sure how this is going to work, but I'm going to keep going. And what was, what was everyone's reaction around you? How did they, how did they discuss that and support you or not support you in terms of getting to where you are today? My husband well knows me well enough to know that once I have my head and more particularly my heart made up on something, um, it's very difficult to pull me away from that path. So I think he saw that and, recognize that I had invested two long years of my life already into this business and trying to make it work and that I was not going to walk away from that. Um, and I felt very truly that despite this in, in incredibly intense disruptive, that it could be an inflection point to make the business better and that I had to look at it that way. Um, not, not everyone was willing to meet me in that spot. I mean, I think, again, my parents, they want the best for me. They want, like all parents, they want their kids to have easier lives than they led. And um, they saw the, the strife that I was um, really going through, not being able to do what I thought I was meant to do. Um, and, and so they encouraged me to potentially look to other ways to make a living. And... Um, and but they know me too and they know that there's only so much that they can kind of suggest um before i just i dig my heels in and say nope this is and that's this is kind of always the person that i've been so hopefully it didn't come quite as a surprise to them even despite the significance of the disruption that was happening at the time so what was the first sale from zero yeah what was the first sale that said okay we're gonna now we're we got a sale. Yeah. We're starting up again. You know, restaurants were, they were going through this same uh, disruption. Um, and significantly, they had to pivot their entire business model. And so many food uh, vendors, you know, they, they get higher margin. They, uh, when people eat in their restaurant, that's really what they want people to do. And they've had to completely alter their business. No one was allowed to eat in their restaurants. Everything had to be taken to go. And so they saw, um, one, what they were paying for the single-use containers that they were having to package their container, their food in. It's like a fine dining restaurant packaging their food in a, in a container that, um, you know, is, is really going to have such a short lifespan and then go into the trash. It's not really a market match for the type of... They're, they're all sustainable businesses as well. They, they work with local farmers to get quality produce, quality meat, and they, they want that experience to extend in every component of that meal. And so um, there is a local chef, um, Chef Vince, um, of, a, of a great um, Vietnamese restaurant that's right around the corner around uh, from where we are right now called Berlue. And Chef Vince reached out to me and said, hey, we're a, a fine dining restaurant, but we're pivoting to uh, sort of a, a meal, uh, take, take home meal for our customers. And we're interested in using your reusable containers. Um, so I was so eager for the opportunity to get back to business and jumped right in. And, um, you know, we had to learn as we went because it was a slightly different business model than what GoBox had been doing previously, but it was, it was uh, an available opportunity, a very passionate chef, 
and um, and a very passionate customer base as well who wanted this sort of higher end experience um, with they're not able to go out to eat so they wanted the experience of a nice meal at their home and and certainly that nice meal being packaged in something that they didn't just immediately toss in the trash helped to amplify it and and make it clear to them i think that there's there's other options out there than just single-use plastic so it gets back to what you were saying earlier a little bit about how you know there's this shift and then there's this insight yeah. and then people learn to change their, their business activity and their operations and then you had the opportunity to be in a position to take advantage of that because essentially there there is something new uh, being introduced into the supply chain yeah. in a different way mm -hmm. which was you know we're conscious of this yeah. but now there's a big shift in going to uh, uh, take out yeah. and so and you know th that's a growing potential for you. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your business model. Who, who are your customers and, and kind of how the revenue works because there's businesses and there's individuals. And tell us a little bit about how all that works. Yeah, sure. So um, for our B2C side of the business, that's what we do with these food containers. We basically have uh, three, three revenue streams. Uh, our subscribers, um, so those are our takeout customers that um, are signing up for GoBox. They're going to purchase a subscription. We have everything from $3.95 a month up to $40 a year to be able to borrow these containers. So you sign up online, super easy process, download our mobile app, and then that's what the customer uses to check these containers out from food vendors and then return them to our drop sites. So that's kind of our, our target, one of our target our top target audiences are um, these mindful, progressive consumers that want to consciously avoid single-use plastic. One of our other revenue streams is our, our food vendors, although I have to say this was something that changed as a result of the pandemic. Uh, Pre-COVID, we were charging our food vendors a per-container cost that was cost comparable to what they were paying for the single-use container. So for many of our food vendors, it, it, uh, you know, it's not that we were trying to provide them a cost savings, but a cost equivalent mm -hmm. um, to be able to be a part of our, our network. But um, when the pandemic hit and all these food vendors were having to <clears throat> transition to takeout only, <clears throat> and many of them were highly dependent upon the, the sort of online food uh, delivery and ordering platforms um, that, that folks might know about. Um, and folks might also know that those platforms charge very high commission uh, fees for food vendors, um, sometimes 20, 30 percent. And I was hearing stories of these restaurants asking customers to delete their food delivery apps because the commission fees that they were getting charged were making it so that they uh, weren't making money. Like they, uh, it was their only option seemingly and um, the commission fees were just so high that it was just some food vendors lose money on orders because of the way that the fees were set. Now, here in Portland, um, the city set a maximum limit on those commission fees to kind of help food vendors during the pandemic. Um, but it just became so clear to me how um, food vendors are, they're such an important part of our community. Everybody loves going out to eat and supporting our local restaurants. And there's people behind, you know, behind those kitchens that are working their butts off. And then behind the kitchens, there are farmers mm -hmm. that are working their butts off to make this culture um, available for us. And they are just nickeled and dimed at every step of the way. 
And um, it became clear to me that if I really wanted food vendors to be advocates for GoBox and help us grow and help us get more consumers sort of aware of the need to avoid single-use plastic, then I need to make it very clear to them that we're we're on their side and we're a proponent of their success. And so we decided to eliminate the per container cost and make GoBox containers free for food vendors. Mm-hmm. Um, just we need them to say yes. We need them to participate in our system and have these things on hand for uh, for GoBox subscribers to be able to use. So um, so that is one of the changes that we've made. Um, we do charge a one-time setup fee to get started with GoBox for our food vendors. Um, and shortly we're gonna launch an online ordering platform and there will be a transaction fee, but it's gonna be uh, quite a bit less than what the commission fees are that the, the, big, the big guys are, are charging, so. Um, our third revenue stream is our corporate partners, and those are private employers or property management firms mm-hmm. uh, that are encouraging their employees or their tenants to use GoBox to help reduce uh, the waste generation in their office or in their building. So um, a private employer could elect to subsidize their employees' subscriptions. They could also host a GoBox drop site in their office. And that makes it then very easy for that employer to say, hey, employee, go out and get lunch at our local food cart, get it in a go box, come back to the office and enjoy your lunch. And then when you're done with it, return it right to this drop site right here in the office. And it makes it so easy. It's sort of a green perk. Um, And I think that's going to be, you know, that side of our business hasn't quite come back yet because there's not a lot of folks that are going into offices right now. But we know that they will, um, and when they do so, we want to be working with employers not only to encourage them to come back to the office do, and um, and provide them with um, benefits that are encouraging them to make that transition, but as we transition back to the office, how can we make our offices more sustainable? And this is a very easy way, and not in, not just for individual lunches, but we've also worked with large corporate campuses, um, event um, organizers, festivals to make large-scale conferences or festivals zero waste as well. Then besides all that, you still have the commercial side where you get, you know, like we we were showing people this morning, you get, you got to, you have a contract really for a, for a regional food supplier uh, to take care of some of their needs. Well, and I got to, I got to say that um, what really sort of swooped in um, to help GoBox make a next step into 2021 was that we, um, you know, because November and December were pretty dark months, uh, politically pandemic wise, it was still, it was still a pretty dark time. Um, although I think everybody was wanting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. It just wasn't quite there yet, but our light at the end of the tunnel came in the form of, um, some inquiry emails, uh, one from imperfect foods, the other from Starbucks um, that wanted to start to pilot or launch their own reuse programs, mm-hmm. but they needed partners to help support it, um, mostly logistic and or washing partners. Um, so we were able to to get contracts with both of those companies to help support their sort of internal uh, reuse goals. And, and that B2B side of thing was, was not even a, a, a part of the business that I was, um, had identified in a pre pandemic environment. So it was really cool to see that these companies, um, 
they, they see that reuse is the future and they see they need to be actively taking steps toward that future that their customers are demanding it of them. Um, and so when both those companies reached out to us and said, hey, we'd like to work with you to try to reduce waste here um, locally, we, we jumped on the opportunity and it's it's been a really remarkable journey. We started with Imperfect Foods in January and we were washing um, about 2,000 gel packs a day or so. And now eight months later, we were doing that in a small commissary kitchen. We were taking up about five, 500 square feet and we were hustling to just like wash these things a few different, a few days of the week when we had access to the kitchen. We've really leaned into that partnership and Perfect Foods to their credit is leaning into this partnership as well and really trying to encourage their customer base to transition and, and eliminate waste with them. Um, and so these days now we're in a 8,000 square foot warehouse and we have a forklift that we have Long need. Dark day. Big time, big oh. time. And in only eight short, relatively short months, right? And so that's what kind of keeps me going is even though we're now kind of back into a, a seemingly a bit of a pause given the, the Delta virus that's, mm -hmm. that's um, happening right now, we have no idea what the next eight months will be uh, and will bring for us. And we, and we I'm an eternal optimist. And so I've, I've, if we were able to grow so much and make so much of a difference just with one company over the past eight months, what, what can we do in the next eight months or the eight months after that if a few more companies come on board and a few more customers become empowered uh, at, at um, reuse, helping them to eliminate waste personally. So I met you actually when you presented to the uh, Equity Economy Fund. Yeah. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about how you got connected with them? Yeah. And what did they do for you? Absolutely. So um, this was actually one of the things as we were talking about last year and leaning into that continuing education and thinking about what are the other social challenges that we have um, presented to us that I can try to help solve as an entrepreneur and, and leaning into that wealth inequality challenge and the social justice issues, I began researching cooperative ownership companies and the way that they help to bring people deeper into organizational success. Um, and then you just learn the stats that cooperatively owned companies um, are more productive, have um, higher rates of employee um, well-being and uh, enthusiasm, and they, they stay longer with the company. And so I started to lean into, well, gosh, could go could GoBox be a cooperative? Who would I want to share ownership with? How would I share ownership with other people? A friend who works for an investment firm called um, DRK was familiar with the Start.Coop co-op folks, mm -hmm. and um, she recommended that I reach out to speak with uh, with them. And so I did. We had a conversation and they encouraged me to um, submit an application to their next uh, business accelerator cohort. Um, and so I did. And I was so thrilled, absolutely thrilled to have been accepted. And so um, between February and June, I was actively involved in Start.Coop business accelerator program where each week we delved into another aspect of entrepreneurship or small business, but with this overarching understanding that um, shared ownership, shared stewardship is, uh, is a tool that we have, uh, in a capitalistic tool that we have that could change the model, right? Capitalism um, in, in, some, in some groups is kind of a dirty word. Like it's, it's seen as this like hyper greedy, hyper like, you know, non-sustainable, just like growth for the sake of growth sort of mentality. And that was, that is a type of 
capitalism, but not all capitalism has to be that way. There are different tools at our disposal and cooperative ownership is, is a tool that we can use to kind of um, change the story and bring more people into the fold, um, uh, you know, address that, that wealth uh, inequality, especially for these startup companies, which often, you know, when startups are one or two founders getting it going and then they, uh, they get some venture capitalists that make investments into it, but it's still a pretty small group, and it's that group that once that company becomes successful, that really gets the the big payout from the success. That small group didn't make that company successful. The employees and the customers and the greater community is what makes that company successful. So how can we bring that mentality into what we're trying to do here? So I'm from an ag area and there's a lot of ag co-ops and, and I always like to think of ag co-ops and ESOPs and things like that as figuring out a way to make all the employees small business owners yeah. because essentially that's what they are. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so that's how you can create wealth creation. But also they can learn what they do on an everyday basis, how it impacts the sustainability and profitability of the company and they benefit in that. So, you know, when you go through this uh uh, experience. You have people that give you advice. Uh, some give you really good advice and you follow that advice. Some people give you uh, good advice and you don't follow it. So tell me uh, maybe uh, one or two uh, re really salient uh, pieces of advice you got that you followed and maybe something that was maybe good advice but you decided not to follow and why didn't you follow it? Two pieces of good advice. The the. I have a business mentor that I've been working with since I acquired the company, and I didn't know her prior to the acquisition. Um, and but very quickly, we we jived together, and she understood me. I understood her without um, much needing to be said, um, which was which is always very empowering when you are seen and understood by somebody pretty quickly. And. Um, she has seen me struggle through a number of sort of business decisions, but she always reminds me to, to just like trust, trust myself. Like you, you, you know, even though I am going toward this cooperative ownership model and trying to figure out how to make that work. And there's some, there's still some challenges outstanding there, but at the end of the day, she's like, this is your company and you get to choose what you want to do with it. And you're a good, you're a good person. You're asking the right questions. And so trust that instinct. Um, and when an entrepreneur is faced with, oh gosh, there was this there was this point last year when you when I think all of us realized, certainly myself realized that I thought I had control. I thought I had a control over things. I have control over no things, no things at all. Absolutely, everything is out of my control except for how I take this, how I, you know. Uh, deal with what is presented to me um, and I think that that's um, something that I'm still very ac acutely aware of is like the the concept of control is so um, it, it's just a it's just a concept um, and so rec recognizing that um, at the end of the day like there are decisions to be made make them to the best of your ability and then stick with it and be committed to your decision and see it through um, and don't be wishy-washy and don't try to like crystal ball the future because you're going to get it wrong. Uh, there's just no way that you can get it right. There's too many things at play. So, so what was something that you didn't follow? Well, I mean, there were people, uh, that suggested there was time to, to, to wrap it up and, uh, and find what my next project was going to be because, um, clearly, you know, the world's not ready for reuse. Um, and 
that could still have be good advice maybe for some people um but i think um as we've discussed like my mentality was such that like well, sure so what you what you said is the first one was about following your inner soul exactly so to speak, and the second yeah. one was not necessarily to ignore that it was mm -hmm. saying maybe the opportunity wasn't there mm -hmm. and to seek elsewhere so it wasn't a bad advice it was just different advice right and, and you decided to stick with where your soul is today. Yeah. And if you were going to advise another entrepreneur uh, and give them some advice, what would you tell them? I would tell them, and, and to, to uh, I do want to share just one other piece of good advice that I got that I, uh, that I am looking to follow because I think it, it plays into that. But build yourself a community um, that provides you what you, when you what you need and ask for what you need when you need it as well. Um, so we're still in the process of formalizing, formalizing a board of directors, but um, before we even get to that point, uh, we're working on developing a, uh, just an advisory board. And I ask a lot of people for, uh, for just their time to sit and either listen or sometimes I ask for advice and, uh, and to, to put some formal barriers around that and, and not only talk to people one-off, but like the magic that happens when you get a bunch of smart people in the room at the same time mm -hmm. has been kind of eye-opening. Um, so uh, I, I like to share that piece of advice to as many people as possible is like, um, find, your, find your tribe, find your people mm -hmm. and pull them and keep them close and formalize it a bit. Say we're gonna meet Quarterly, we're going to meet monthly for a couple of hours and come prepared to um, make valuable time, not only of your time, but also of the people that are being generous with their, with their time and their energy and their thoughtfulness as well. So it sounds like you're saying cultivate a community of support yeah. and, and make sure you are a steward of that community mm -hmm. because you're going to need it. Oh gosh, will you need it. Excellent yeah. advice. Tell us one more time. Mm -hmm. uh, go Box. GoBox.com or .org. Please learn more about GoBox, learn more about reuse, and sign up to use GoBox at GoBoxPDX.com. And remember, when you do this, you're taking that small step and taking some responsibility uh, to help with sustainability and change how we do things to the benefit of yourselves and others. Thank you very much. Yeah, Excellent. thank you, Steve. Yep. Click on the sign up button or you can download our mobile app if you search either Android or Apple stores for GoBox. You'll find our app, you can download it and sign up for a subscription very quickly, just a few minutes and then you're ready to reuse. So go to GoBox and get that subscription because the future is in your hands. You can make a difference in your small way and a lot of small ways add up as people are learning. So thank you very much, it was so a pleasure. Time. Thanks Steve. There is one like little stat that we can share. We've now eliminated over uh, 700,000 single-use products. Wow, just your company? Just our company. Wow, that's a big stat. Yeah. We'll have to work that in. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And be sure you go and check that like sign. You know how this works in this business. The more likes you have, the better off you are and the more people will notice it. And we're doing this for a cause, to raise money for this fellowship program that I told you about. Stay tuned in to our social media channel, YouTube, Facebook, and don't forget to donate. It goes to a good cause. Only 3,700 miles to Portland, Maine. Woohoo!